Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. So Gedaliah was a nice leader and he and those he led paid very dearly for his niceness. Have you served under a nice leader? You know, the kind who doesn't like to pressure, who tries to please everyone, who avoids confrontation. Truth is that leaders like that leave a trail of destruction, achieving more harm than good. Good leaders are revealed during times of disappointment and times of success, and the world needs good leaders. Dr. Corbett is in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 41, to talk about the problem with really nice people. Let's join him now. The problem with really nice people. Don't really nice people create problems? You wouldn't think so. You would actually think the goal of being a leader is to be nice. You would think the goal of being a person is to be nice as well. But I want to show you the problem with being nice. And I hope that every one of us leaves here. If you were a nice person, I hope you don't leave here nice. Church history is really interesting when you look at the different cultural, political environments the church has had to operate. The last 100, 150 years, the church has been in Disneyland. We, we have had so much favour in culture and society and arguably we have not handled it well. And so we've got, I, I think, a looming tide of opposition coming our way and it's very, very predictable. So Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says this. This just sets it up and then you'll see how this is relevant to Jeremiah 41. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God so this is the Christian's understanding of those who have civil power that that is governments councils common federal governments and so on verse 2 of Romans 13 says therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment Apparently, one of the most used excuses for speeding happens on a Sunday when people say, and this is apparently, you can verify this, when people use the excuse to the police officer, but I'm late for church. <laughs> Next verse says this, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good. I want you to note that word, good. And you will receive his approval. So here's the question that I want to ask to set up looking at this passage in Jeremiah. But it's important that you understand the way Christians respond to government. Now, I said to you before that when Paul wrote Romans, he wrote to them around 60 AD or so, late 50s, 60s, in, in 48 months... Caesar Nero would go on a killing spree, a rampage. Several million people would die as a result of his barbaric persecution against Christians. Now, knowing that and knowing that the temperature was rising for Christians, does this, does this passage of three verses sound any different to you now? Knowing that the Bible is saying... You can't be a, a, a cultural civil rebel in the midst of a bad government that just doesn't like Christians or the church. So when things began to ramp up, 
we find Peter, who would, within months of writing his epistle, he would be taken by Caesar Nero, stripped naked, dangled upside down and crucified publicly. And that Peter, before the Caesar that did it, that Peter said in First Peter, I think it is, chapter 2, honour the king. That's the one who had him put to death. How should Christians respond when their leaders are wicked? How should we respond? I wonder how many of us realise the power and the privilege that we have in Australia living in what's called a democracy. You know, you hear Christians say, oh, the government, oh, the government, the government, the government. Well, run for parliament or, or at least vote, do something, join in the process. And so now here we are some seven months or so later. And the king of Babylon has appointed Gedaliah Bar-Achakim as the governor of Judah. And I want to give you some of the background uh, to this. It's in the previous chapter. It's just a few verses so we can refresh our memories. Now, Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the leaders of the forces in the open country came to get a lie. So you got the picture of who Yohanan is? He's a military leader. He's like a mercenary. He survived the siege of Jerusalem. He survived by fleeing before the Babylonians could take his life. And he came to get a liar at Mizpah. Not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's destroyed. So this is just outside Jerusalem. And said to him, Do you know that Baalus... The king of the Ammonites has sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to take your life. But Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, would not believe them. Then Yohanan, the son of Korea, spoke secretly to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Please let me go and strike down Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and no one will know it. Why should he take your life so that all the Judeans who were gathered about you would be scattered and the remnant of Judah perish? Important question, by the way. But Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, said to Yohanan, the son of Korea, You shall not do this thing, for you are speaking falsely of Ishmael. Hmm. This says a lot about Yohanan and it says a lot about Gedaliah. And here's what I want you to see about Gedaliah. He hears an evil report about Ishmael, who used to work for the king, who is like a second or third cousin to the king. So he's part of the royal family. And, and Gedaliah is thinking, how could someone of that lineage do anything to harm the survivors of Israel? It, it could never happen. So Gedaliah is nice. He's a nice leader. He believes the best. Here's a, I want to point out something about nice leaders, nice people in particular. Here's some of the traits of a nice leader. They don't like to pressure people. But when you're ready, 
No, 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 I'll wait, I'll wait. No, 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 no rush, no rush. I know, it will take another year. It's all right, I'll, I'll wait. They don't like to pressure people. They try to please everyone. Anyone ever tried to please everyone? There are some people, and this is the way they define their decisions. This is what, for them, helps them to make decisions. Who Will I please people if I do this? They try to please everyone. And rather the, they'd rather be naive. I think there are times I'd actually rather be naive. They would rather be naive than confronting. So here's Gedaliah. He'd rather be naive about Ishmael than confront him and say, Hey, listen, I've heard that you're trying to kill me. Is that true? It's a reasonable question. They'd rather pretend that all is well with the world and there's no need for anyone to confront anyone. Gedaliah was a nice leader. Yohanan told him what would happen if he took no action. Because Yohanan had military insight. He knew the way military types thought. And he said, if you do nothing, it's not that nothing will happen. You do nothing, something will happen, and it won't be good for you or the people you're here to protect. So Gedaliah was a nice leader. And he and those he led paid very dearly for his niceness. We're now in verse 1 of chapter 41. In the seventh month, seven months after Jerusalem has been destroyed by the Babylonians. In the seventh month, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, son of Elishama, of the royal family, one of the chief officers of the king, came with ten men to get Eliah, the son of Ahakam, at Mizpah. As they ate bread together there at Mizpah. Now, here's the deal. They may not have actually eaten bread. This is an expression. It's an Israelite expression. To eat bread together means this. I am showing you hospitality. You are now in my care. You are in my protection. I welcome you into my house. Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the ten men with him rose up and struck down Gedaliah. This is unacceptable in Oriental culture. You do not do this when you're shown hospitality. This is beyond betrayal. The son of Ahakam, the, the son of Shaphan, with the sword. You, you might remember back in Jeremiah 36 that it says the family of Shaphan were the ones who looked after Jeremiah. So this is the family. Get a liar as a part of this family that has been very kind to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is at this dinner table. He's watching this happen. With the sword and killed him, whom the king of Babylon had appointed governor in the land. That's a clue. Jeremiah's telling us he killed Gedaliah, the one that the king of Babylon appointed governor. What's going on in Ishmael's heart? Why is he doing this? 
We'll come back to that. Ishmael also struck down all the Judeans who were with Gedaliah at Mizpah and the Chaldean soldiers who happened to be there. Oh my goodness. When Nebuchadnezzar finds out this, look out. So let's come back to the words of Yohanan to Gedaliah. Gedaliah refused to do something about the wickedness. He refused to do something about the rumor of treachery. He refused to do anything about the suspicion of evil. And as a result, people got hurt. People got hurt. This is what I've discovered as a pastor of a church. That whenever you take action to bring discipline and correction into someone's life, a whole bunch of other people don't understand. And you end up, you can't please everybody. People get hurt. And one of the kindest things I think God can gift you with is somebody who speaks into your life and says, hey, this is not good. You should not be doing this. If you have someone in that space, you are blessed. You are really blessed. And for most people, most young people, it's your parents. And I know I was a young person once. That whenever your parents do say things like that, what would they know? What would they know? But maybe it's not your parents. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's someone who says, you're doing okay. You're right. And maybe they can see that you're not all right because of something you're doing. Ishmael also struck down all the Judeans who would get a light at Mizpah and the Chaldean soldiers who happened to be there. Oh, my goodness. What was going on in Ishmael's heart? He was bitterly envious of Gedaliah. Bitterly envious. Now, this guy's saying, he sh- I'm, thinking, I'm just going to read between the lines here. He shouldn't have been appointed governor. I should have been appointed governor. I descend back to David. I worked in the palace. I should have been made, I should have been made governor. Give me that lollipop. It was kind of the... And we see people behave like that today. Should have been me. I should have been appointed. I should have won the whatever it was to win. I should have been me. Unsnaps on them. (laughs) And this is what I notice about leaders. Real leaders. Well, actually, leaders. A leader's true character comes out in the midst of disappointment. So when, whenever you're confronted with disappointment, your true heart character comes out. Your true heart character comes out. On the day after the murder of Gedaliah, before anyone knew of it, 80 men arrived from Shechem and Shiloh, and Samaria with their beards shaved and clothes torn and their bodies gashed. Oh my goodness, these guys have trekked. This is almost as bad as the trek that Jeff and I and Kim did the other week when I had 250 leeches on me, I had blackberry scratches, I had blisters on my... Well, I'm not getting a lot of sympathy here, so I'm not going there anymore. These guys, 
had obviously gone on quite a trek to get where to the ruins of the temple. The temple wasn't there anymore. Now, why were they doing that? There was something in their heart that said, the word of God says, vows to God should be paid. Sacrifices cannot be paid anywhere else apart from the temple. We come and we will present our sacrifices to the Lord. There's no priest there to offer them up. But they are going to do their part. Boy, that's admirable. There's something in the heart of these men where they're saying, really, we're going to go because we love God. They're coming from way up north. They're having to come a long way to get there and to do this. And shaving the beard, this is a part of the vows. You read this in the Old Testament where whenever you made a vow of dedication, they would often shave. And it's a way of reminding them. While my hair is off, I remember I'm fully dedicated to God. And so here you have these guys. You can see what's really going on in their heart. So they're bringing grain offerings and incense to present at the temple. And Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, came out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he came and as he met, weeping as he came. This I, I almost feel overwhelmed to call this guy, and I don't know, please don't be offended by this, but if I was there and I saw this and I'd seen what he'd done, I would have, I couldn't, I would just said, you mongrel. Look at you, pretending as if you care about Jerusalem, pretending that you care about what's happened. You sick, depraved man. So out he comes. Anyway, I wasn't there, so I can't say any of that. So here we are. Ishmael, son of Neth and I, came out from his part to meet them, weeping as he came. And he met them and he said to them, come in to get Eliah, the son of Ahakam. And when they came in to the city, Ishmael, the son of Neth and I, and the men who were with him, slaughtered them and cast them into a cistern. There's a lot of people who are now dying because a leader would not take an action that should have been taken. Then Ishmael took captive all the rest of the people who were in Mizpah, the king's daughters and all the people who were left at Mizpah, whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had committed to get Eliah, the son of Achim. Ishmael, the son of Nethanai, took them captive and set out to cross over to the Ammonites. The Ammonites. What the heck? These are the enemies of Israel. Good night. But Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the leaders of the forces, remember this guy, the mercenary guy, who were with him, heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had done. They took all their men and went to fight against Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah. This guy knows what's going on. They came upon him at a great pool that is in Gibeon. Hmm. In between verses, which I'm going to skip for time's sake, is when Ishmael saw him and thought, uh-oh, that's Yohanan. I can't beat him. Bang, he's out of there, the coward. And he runs off to the king of Ammon. And the people that are left rejoice. Oh, Yohanan's here. Awesome. And we come down to verse 16. Then Yohanan, the son of Korea, and all the leaders of the forces who were with him, took from his part all the rest of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael, the son of Nethanai, after he had struck down Gedaliah, the son of Ahakam, soldiers, women, children, and eunuchs, whom Yohanan brought back 
from Gibeon. All right, so now here's another picture of a leader. We have Yohanan. Yohanan, you know, you've got to think, this guy's probably having these huge I told you so moments. And, and I want to suggest to you that if you're in a team and you tell your team leader, if you do this, this really bad, ugly thing will happen, and they ignore you and the really bad, ugly thing happens, it's really poor form on your part to go up to them and forever for the next six years remind them, I told you so, I told you so, we wouldn't be here. But if you hadn't, if you'd only listened to me, I told you so. That's really poor form. So what happens when that leader goes and you get promoted in, now you're really the leader of the deal? So here's Johannan. I said before that it's disappointment that brings out a leader's true character. Here's the other thing. There's one other thing that brings out the leader's true character. Success. You become who you really are when you get success. Can you imagine how you would be, honestly, how you would be if God granted every one of your prayers? A leader's true character comes out in the midst of success when things are going well. Um, This is not a party political thing i just think um, well done to the victorian premier because he had heard that this minister had been bullying his staff and he said that's not how we conduct ourselves and so he stood him down i thought yeah and it highlights this whenever you have success or power your true character will come out you know, imagine someone kneeling at the altar saying, God, I give you my whole life. Everything I have is yours. Everything I am is yours. I give you my whole life. And God says, well, let's see, shall we? And tomorrow you get in the mail a letter from a solicitor you've never heard of about an uncle you didn't even know you had, and he's left you $3 billion. And it's yours to access instantly. I tell you now, we would see people's true character. And so the best thing to do is to settle these character issues now before you get the three billion. Yeah. <laughs> now would be a good time to sort of weave into this the principle of tithing. And, but we'll... <laughs> Verses 17 and the last part of verse 18. And we wrap this up. And they went and they stayed at Garuth. And here's why I say success exposed what was really in... Yohanan's heart because when he was successful this is what he intended to do it says and they went and they stayed at Garuth near Chimham near Bethlehem intending to go to Egypt because of the Chaldeans intending to go to Egypt remember what Jeremiah the prophet had said don't go to Egypt don't go to the Ammonites don't go to Moab Don't stay in the city and do what the king of Babylon tells you to do and everything will be well with you. That's what he said. Yohanan had heard it. Gedaliah had heard it. Gedaliah was doing it. Yohanan now has success and he's going, that's not what I intend to do. I intend to take matters into my own hands. And here's the problem with Yohanan that we see. Success flushed out his true heart motive, and we see that although he wasn't a nice leader, I mean, I don't want our military leaders to be nice. 
I don't want that. I want if, if someone's going to go to war on behalf of our country and defend our country or go in and rescue someone, I don't want them to be nice. I want them to be warriors. And warriors by nature are not nice. But here's what I do want. Although he wasn't nice, neither was he good. And this is where I'm now going to help you to understand what I mean by the word nice. When I say don't be nice, I'm not saying don't be kind. I'm not saying don't be good. In fact, I am saying be kind, be good. But the kind of niceness that says, I'm not going to do anything to stretch people or put people under any pressure. I'm not going to demand anything of people. I'm not going to ask people to follow because it could be uncomfortable for them. That kind of niceness, people will end up paying a high price if that's how you're going to lead them. The kind of niceness that says, I won't make any decision if I think I'm going to offend someone. I just won't. I'll just because I want to please everyone. That kind of niceness will get you in trouble and it will get those you lead in trouble. And if you're trying to parent your children like that, you will raise brats. And, and the other kind of niceness is, I know God says we should do this, but if I did that, I'd have all sorts of people object. So we just won't talk about it. We won't go there. That's what I mean by nice. And if you, if you parent as a nice parent, you're, you're going to be frustrated. Your children are going to be frustrated. If you're trying to run a team, a sporting club or a business like that, everyone on your team is going to be really disappointed. You're not there to be nice. You are there to be good. You can be a good leader. And I would say the best leaders aren't always nice. But they are kind and they're always seeking to do what's right. One of the most amazing things for me in the midst of this whole kerfuffle over same-sex marriage, which, by the way, we're not on soapboxes about. We are in defensive mode about this. It is coming. We are having stuff shoved down our throats. We're not shoving anything down anyone's throat. We're defensive about this. But one of the things I'm staggered that I'm not hearing is someone say, we don't support it because it's not right. Why are people afraid to say that? It's not right. And I think it takes courage to do things like that. And I think the world right now needs courageous leaders who know God, who, who are kind and they pursue the good. They pursue the good. And as I think about this, I can only think of one leader who fits that bill. And that's Jesus. He's the model leader. He wasn't swayed by public opinion. He wasn't moved by the applause of people. He wasn't put off or deterred when people discouraged him because he lived to honour his father. He lived to honour God. No matter what the cost. And the cost was high. The cost was high. And Jesus paid it. And so here's where I want to finish up with. We've looked at this passage and I, I hope that you can see that there's some things for us to learn in this chapter, chapter 41 of Jeremiah. Jesus said this and calling, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I know... In, 
in 2015, that sounds lovely. Doesn't that sound lovely? It just sounds lovely. It almost sounds like a religious plaque. You'd walk into Kurong and buy that fridge magnet and put it on your fridge. It sounds beautiful. But when Jesus is saying it, they are walking past the rotting corpses on Roman crosses as they enter into Jerusalem. And as he picks his moment, he says, if you want to follow me, you pick up your cross and you follow. Now, all of a sudden, it doesn't smell fridge plaque It smells serious. It smells like there's a cost. Can you see the guts it would have taken for Jesus to demand that of people? He's asking a lot. He's not swayed by people's opinions. And he's prepared to honor God. Tick, tick, and tick. All the three things that a nice leader would never do. This is Jesus. He knows what's best for you. And our lives go off the rails when we stop following him. And we start to put boyfriends first. Friends first. Work first. Anything first apart from him. So here's my question to you will you follow jesus christ and model your life and your values after his life and his values a nice leader is not necessarily a good leader and the world needs good leaders more from dr corbett next week with whether good or bad we will obey podcasts and finding truth matters resources including tonight's program the problem with really nice people are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters. <laughs>